Hi, hello. Um, welcome back to the Ikecast. I'm Ike, and with me is my co-host Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Hi. So um, today we're going to talk about. We're going to do almost like a two-parter in the sense that first we're going to um, look at current news event, uh, which we thought was um, hilarious, sad, painful all at once. <laughs> Right. Um, and then we're going to pivot to some recommendations and entertainment to sort of um, sign off or um, end on a high note. So this past week, just to summarize for all of you guys tuning in to us, is there was an interview this week. It was an Axios interview between uh, with um, President Trump and um, Jonathan Swan, who works with um, Axios. And uh, the interview happened on the 28th of July, and it was released this past week. And it's been getting a lot of attention because, you know, um, I mean, we've, we've sort of become desensitized, right, Chris, to some of this, you know, a lot of the stuff that's that comes out of the, the White House. But this one-on-one -on -one was, like, was interesting because in this, like, uh, you know, I think that um, Jonathan Swan did a really good job in sort of holding the president's feet to the fire in the sense of, you know, make when he makes these like egregious statements, sometimes, you know, the, the reporter or the person who's, who's interviewing him lets him slide or tries to keep it on track, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense of, you know, we've got to get these questions through, so we're going to ignore it, we're not going to follow up. And that isn't what happened. And when I say it was, it's, it was interesting. It was somewhat jaw dropping musing. It was also very alarming because this is the president of the free world. And, you know, I, it's, I know there's people out there who's got different, different positions and opinions, but this is not how leadership should look in my opinion. Not at all. Right. So um, some takeaways from the interview, right? Um, there And there, everybody has like their own, you know, the, they might have six or seven of the, the craziest things that may have happened. Uh, but there's uh, what I would say is they're, they're overlapping in terms of uh, what what were some of the statements that were made so let's uh, let's take a look into it how does that sound sure okay so um so one of the i, I they're actually all interconnected it's with covid-19 so some of the statements that um the president made was you know that um that one of the reasons why you know the us has so many numbers is because we're doing too much testing. And of course, if we did less testing, we'd have less numbers, which is yes, that's true. But yeah. the testing that's done is still not sufficient. So yeah, but that you hear the argument, the reason why we have such high numbers is because we have such high testing, right? Yeah. Like, okay, so pause. Yeah. Do you the reason why you have high numbers is not because of the high testing? Right? The high testing is telling you actually what your numbers are. <laughs> Right. The reason why you have high numbers is because of actual infections. 
right? Right. What you're saying is and, because we're oh, it's because we're actually checking who's sick that you know that's the reason why they're sick. He's causing he's correlating two different to completely different things. Number of tests and infected are not connected. Correct. They're not. And let's let's put some realism here as well in that the the testing that has been done is still isn't sufficient. Okay. Um, you need to multiply the number that's out there, the official number by at least five to 10 times. So if, if we have 1.1 million people who have tested positive, that's not an accurate reading because it's only a small percentage that has been tested. There's a lot more people walking around that have either been exposed to COVID-19, right? And they, because they're asymptomatic, don't realize it and don't, um, you know, and, and their their numbers are not being counted. The other, th- the other thing is that, you know, in the numbers that are being counted, if there's an underlying medical issue, the, those individuals who've passed away, uh, they're not being counted as COVID-19 victims. It's the underlying medical issues, what the cause of death is, is being reported. So we have an underreporting, um, and that's, you know, and I, I think as a society, we need transparency in order for us to really understand the magnitude, and that's not what we have here. Absolutely. So, transparency is sort yeah, of the yeah. thing to fix this all. Yeah. You know, and here, here's the here's the statement. It's like, it's the, um, so in the interview, and I, this is a direct quote, right? I mean, he said, he, like, first of all, you know, the president downplayed COVID-19 death toll, right? But he's like, okay, there's a thousand Americans that are dying a day. They're dying. It's true. It is what it is. That to me is like, there's like no empathy there. I don't think it's empathy. It's just, it's, it's him abdicating his responsibility. Right. He's just like, yeah, but you have to have empathy in order to, yes, you're right. It's abdicating responsibility, but there has to be an element of empathy. You want that in your leaders is empathy towards what's going on. Because if you have the empathy, you're going to do what needs to be done to reduce the suffering. Yeah. Right. Like it's not. So yeah, yeah, it's an abdication, but it's not. But part of that abdication is the lack of empathy towards the people he's responsible for, which is the American citizens, right? Yeah. And being a, being the president of the United States doesn't mean you're only a president for a small subset or, you know, a small group, or just the people who voted for you, whether you, they voted for you or not, you have a moral responsibility. You have yep. an ethical responsibility for your full citizen, citizenry, right? And when I say citizen, citizenry, I use the term very loosely because that does include your you know, U.S. citizens, uh, your permanent residents, um, you know, the people who are working here on visas and even people who are not here um, or who are here but 
have either overstayed, they don't have a valid visa or, or, or something to that effect. Right. Um, so that was, that was a huge for me is like, that's crazy. It is what it is. I mean, he said this before and the context remains the same. It's, he doesn't want to take any responsibility. The deaths are not on him. Uh, mm-hmm. The mass thing, hydro, you know, hydro, hydroxychloroquine, all this, none of this. You know, he's he goes like, "What about all the good that we've done?" Right? I mean, there was this, um, there was this uh, apparent like uh, tweet from him, right, talking about why do people like Fauci and and don't like him? And he goes like, "Yeah, but people don't. I guess people just don't like me, right?" And I was like, "Wow, an actual moment of clarity that yeah, maybe people just don't like you, bro." Right, but <laughs> okay, yeah, moment of clarity. But I mean, I think you have to. Why don't they like you? Yeah. That's the question, right? Yeah, that's the question that needs to be asked. Like, okay. Well, I, I think, you know, presidencies are a bit different. I mean, you going for a re-election, you know, you want to keep the voters to like you, right? Yeah. But, I'm, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I don't think you should, one should, you know, live their life with, oh, why why don't people like me? Right. Uh, that's not, but the thing is he's, he's a leader. He's responsible and he's going to take, he's going to have to make decisions, which may not be, which, you know, may not be uh, what he considers to be the best decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're, uh, you know, for just a small group, he's got to make decisions that are the best based on the science and the facts for everybody. Yeah. But, and, um, but science and that's and facts not has not been, has not been a major thing about this administration. What this administration has done has essentially goes like, do you want to, the United States can renege on anything. Right. Right. Paris climate accord. Doesn't matter. We actually don't want to be part of that. All right. Um, the Iran nuclear deal. Nah, screw that. We're going to rip it up. NAFTA. Hey, this was, you know, let's just cut this up redo it, call it something different. Realistically, it's about, you know, 99% the same. Right. Right. Even though USMCA has been put into place, let's, we can still bypass it. We're going to start tariffing, you know, Canadian aluminum. What? Like that's, agreements mean nothing to this guy. And that's made everyone very wary on him. Yeah, from a right from a global scale, think about it. Right, like you enter into a bilateral agreement treaty. Uh, I mean, if no matter you know if the treaty says you can do X Y Z, and you have an administration says screw it, we don't care, we're going to do A B C instead. And that's nowhere in the agreement. Why would anybody want to enter into bilateral agreements with us? Exactly. If they if they, they can't trust you, they're not going to continue. Yeah, you know, here's an interesting. Um, so it was a actually an article I I came across um, the uh, earlier this week. Uh, so the U.S. used to be something like um, I think the first second. Um, passports that you'd want in the world, right? Um, so passports have a ranking and the ranking yeah. is based on the number of countries that you can visit without there being any visa restrictions. 
Yeah. Right. So with that, without being visa restrictions means you don't need a visa to visit there. You just carry your passport. Great. Right. There's that level of convenience. So um, since 2017, the U.S. has continuously fallen. Okay. We are no longer, you know, one or top two. We're not, we're no longer top dog when it comes to passports. Uh, we've actually jumped down to like seven or eight. And with the restrictions coming out through Europe and some of the other, other countries because of COVID-19, we're actually down like to ranking of 17 or 18 for a U.S. passport. That's insane. I mean, Dude. I don't know what cat is that, but yeah, it's going down that far that fast. Yeah, all within Chris, this is within a year. This is within a year. I thought it was a really interesting article. And the um the author of this article, she, you know, um has a um she had she's got dual citizenship. She also has a Polish passport, right? Um, her grandfather um, had retained Polish citizenry, and and they also I think the fa the family also had um, you know because of um, the French rules, they also are able to get a French passport. But her pol she can travel to more places with her Polish passport than she can with the U.S. passport. Yeah, I mean that's kind of terrifying, isn't it? That That's like the U.S. is like a leper colony because of the COVID status of right now. Yeah, yeah, and and, and so we, let's you know we go back to the whole you know the insane idea of too much testing that was was indicated and stuff like that. I, I mean that, that all of that has to. Uh, I think it's it's a misdirect. It's a it's a false flag that people can look at and say oh. This is what is being said so that this is what the chatter is about and, and nobody really pays attention to what's really happening. So that was one, you know, thing that um, went out and the um, one of the the, uh, the statements in the in the interview. Second one was um, John Lewis. Uh, he. You know, when he was talking about John Lewis, he didn't recognize him as a civil rights hero. Uh, mm -hmm. He. You know, all he knows about John Lewis or remembers of John Lewis is that he did not come to his inauguration. Yeah, he doesn't support him. Yeah, it doesn't. He didn't support him. So, you know, and you know, and he went back to that he did the most for the black community than anybody else except for uh, possibly, and this is it, Abraham possibly Lincoln, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, which is crazy. Right. And this it. is where this is where I think the um, <laughs> I'm probably talking too much, Chris. <laughs> Tell me to shut no, up with no, you. No, no, just rage it out. <laughs> right, but here's here's the thing. This is where you know Jonathan Swan did go back and say, well, "What about LBJ? What about Lyndon Johnson? He passed the Civil Rights Rights Act. Are you saying that the Civil Rights Act was not a good thing?" Mm -hmm. Right. And his response was, eh, I don't think they really, I don't think it really worked for them. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. Like 
that's a that's a and and that that's why I don't understand like how how is it possible like how can you how can this be what we're what we're living through what we're dealing with you know if President Obama or President Bush had said something like this everybody would have been like completely they would have been vilified and yeah, we this, we go the, back to you know what where we're, we're in strange times man i just yeah. don't know yeah it is um and and you know here's the thing is that even the most racist of republicans they at least know to give lip service to supporting the Civil Rights Act, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, the Civil Rights Act, it, you know, it tried, it tried to level the playing field, which, uh, again, you know, we, uh, we're still trying to do, right? Yeah, but it's a step in the right direction, right? Like, yeah, it's just, rise of Jim Crow, the Civil Rights Act helps combat that level of, all right, something else should have been done at the time. Yeah. I mean, it, Civil Rights Act ended segregation and to say, yeah, no, it wasn't good. You're advocating for segregation. And I mean, I don't think he even knows what the Civil Rights Act does, to be very fair. Right? I th I don't think he actually even knows what the what these things do. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I Absolutely, but you would think you'd want him to know, right? Absolutely, but I think that's like it, there's two things with this guy. It's either like nefarious or it's just ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that was where am I? I've probably like hit like three, four already, all intermingled. Um, and then um, this was a couple of weeks you know, from a couple of weeks ago, but you heard about the, um, the bounties that Russia had put on American yeah. troops, right? The Russia bounty. Yeah. They were yeah, coming with the, the Russia Taliban. Bounty. Yeah. So he's one president Bush is denying that they did that Two, He's denying that was in his intelligence briefings. And, Three, he's admitted that he did not bring up the issue when he talked to Vladimir Putin um, the last time they had a conversation. So let's let's look into that, right? Let's look at that. That so there's a there's an active bounty on American troops by a third party, and you don't bring it up with the leader of that country that's doing it and saying what the fuck <laughs> why are you do you know right so so you, clearly you have no respect for your military right it, or or he, for the lives of the you. you know the of the americans who are there defending he's made this excuse before that he, the, the intelligence wasn't real. That the intelligence is wasn't what people think it is. That it never went to his desk because no one considered it an actual genuine piece of intelligence. Which is incorrect. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, truth of it or not, it's, uh, I definitely think that like it wasn't his morning briefings. It's just, he doesn't read his morning briefings. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's and nobody reads book. it to him. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. If you don't want it read, then have somebody read it to you. Right. You've got people there who can summarize and say, look, I've read the briefings. This is your highlights. Do a Coles notes for the briefings. I mean, <laughs> where that simple. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to do the Reagan simple. thing, right? Where they had uh, people like acted out for him. Yeah. They did that for Reagan. Maybe they'll have to do that for this guy. I mean, you would hope. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so, Maybe they're just doing stuff without them. Yeah. So, um, so the the reason why we're bringing up this interview is because it, you know, one, if you haven't seen it, do see it. But um, and the, and the reason why it, you know, we're getting the why it's getting the interest that it is getting right now is because um, the journalist you know, pushed back. I, I mean, and he had been, I think, previously, Chris, accused of being really soft with with um, interviews with politicians and stuff like that. But, I mean, this time, I, you know, he, he went in there and, um, you know, pushed back. The way you dude, should. Dude, right? that guy's face is a meme at this point with him just looking at the paper and looking at Trump so confused. That guy is a meme. Like, he pushed back and was like, what the hell is this? Are we talking about the um, the charts that he was handed? Exactly. So, um, okay, so just to bring everybody, you know, just let everybody know what with uh, regarding um, the charts. So, here's the thing: is um, that you know, in an attempt to to obfuscate and you know, just um, obscure the fact that you know the u.s currently is under in one of its worst um outbreaks from any other country when it comes to covid19 in like ever right that um i guess his team had given him uh had given the president some charts that he could use to show you know how you know how low um the, you know, that you, the U.S. is lowest in numerous categories, you know, number of categories. Um, they're lower in the world and, and uh, Europe. And so he was supposed to explain the charts, but he couldn't. He just gave them over. It, is that right, Chris? Is that That's what that's how it went down, right? And exactly. when, and when um, Jonathan Swan starts looking at what he's just been given, he's like, you know, what the information was just handed over. He's looking at it and going, what, what the hell? Uh, what is this? Right. Uh, this is insane. It's what he received was the, the proportion of patients who die, who already had the coronavirus. No, um, uh, what he received was proportion, uh, deaths proportion to cases. Okay. That's proportionate to cases. Okay. Right. And when he started setting back, the information it was clearly obvious that um, 
the presence did not understand what he was saying. Yeah, especially because he was like, we should do deaths proportionate to population. Because, like, North Korea, sorry, South Korea has 50, 50 million person population. Mm-hmm. Compared to that, to the US, um, in order to match the level of deaths to the population, yeah. right? Yeah. The US should theoretically have around 3,500 deaths compared to South Korea's. So it's like yeah. that, like, just by population. We should. They should have thirty five hundred deaths instead of over one hundred and sixty thousand. Right. So, um, so yeah. So it was a it was a very interesting um, interview, um, and this is what I think we need to expect from journalists. They need to do this, right? They need to be prepared. They need to be. They need to push back on statements that are being made. Absolutely. And it happens. It has to happen across the aisle. We, you need to hold everyone accountable. Yeah. Everyone to the fire. Make make sure that everyone yeah. is able to be in the hot seat, answer the questions, and not obfuscate their way through stuff. Correct. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so that was, and it is being compared to an earlier interview as well by um, Chris Wallace, who had done some pushback as well. But I, I think. Um, again, Jonathan Swan was very good in pinning it. Like when he says, when the president says, you need to read the manuals, right? What manuals? You know, um, you know, he, you know, Trump always says, you know, there are those that say you can test too much, you, you know. And so who are they, who, who says yeah, who, who oh, says that, right? Right. And yeah, I read the manuals, read the books. And he's like, manuals, what manuals? Read the books. What books? Like, tell me where I can get this information. And of course, when you go back and say, what is it? Tell me. And there is no response. You clearly are able to establish that this person does not know what he's talking about. Precisely. So, um, Here's I'm I'm gonna sort of deviate a little bit if that's okay, okay. with you because I want sure. your opinion on this. So there's a, a looks like there's a, there's an article where U.S. intelligence is saying um, says that there are Republicans that are working with Russia to reelect Trump. Have you read anything about that? Yeah, I saw that. Um, it just. It, I mean, I don't put it past anybody to, to to collude, and we've seen that you know Trump is totally willing to collude or or w- withhold evidence for political favors or withhold aid or whatever. Um, I think that if it's true, it's not going to be very much possible. Like they're colluding, I think, just to get information. But everyone's beefed up their security. You know, everyone's expecting you know this election to be fraught with fraud. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's um, it's distressing actually. But okay, so um, yeah, so there's a couple of things, right? Um, they're saying, and U.S. intelligence saying that um, Russia is again helping to put keep um, the current administration in power, and China does not want. And you know the Trump administration, uh, Trump presidency, to go further. So they're. I don't think they have the, you know, the direct links 
that possibly um, intelligence is seeing through Russia. But, you know, the, the statement is out there that, um, yeah, China doesn't want Trump. And we can tell just based on, you know, the <laughs> the the pissing match the two countries are doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I wanted to know if you had seen that because it was something that had just, like, you know, crossed my eyes. I didn't really delve too much into it because I'll be honest with you. Um, I've been I'm really saturated since 2016. Uh, I mean, the 2016 election was, you know, un- painful. Um, and the last four years have been extremely painful, too. I mean, definitely for you guys, you know, um, it's been a very strange whole bunch of years, even though, you know, you guys have the house or or whatever. Generally speaking, generally speaking, this election means a lot for the future. Generally speaking, every election does. We'll see how it goes. I mean, one more thing that I want to talk about. Sure. Just to get your, you know, rare reaction on it. That explosion that happened in Beirut. Did you see it? Yeah, I saw the the pictures. Uh, I saw the before and after of it. Um, it was a stockpile, right, of uh, highly flammable material. So it's um, it's uh, ammonium nitrate, which is essentially like one of the key components in making explosives. Yeah. You usually find the stuff for fertilizer and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was a warehouse full of this stuff, and it um, got caught on fire and then ignited, ejecting, you know, you know, hundreds of feet. It, oh, my God. Um, you saw the before and afters, but you can actually see the explosion, like someone looking at the fire and then it explodes, right? right the right. air gets compressed in the explosion. Really? I did uh, not see that video. I will. I will send you the video afterwards, but it is a... I'll send you two videos. I'll send you that, and I'm going to send you one about, uh, which is a similar event that happened in Waco, Texas, uh, a few years back. It was a fertilizer plant that caught on fire and then had a spectacular explosion. Um, so, I'll do you think? You- um, do you think it was uh, an accident, or do you think it's oh, easily? It, if you look at where it blew up, it's like okay, it blew up in a warehouse off the port. All right, <laughs> it's it's someone yeah. shipped stuff there, and then it just blew up. It took out a chunk of the port. It didn't get deep. Yep. It, it's an industrial accident through and through. Yeah, and and now there's um, there's uh, there's protests that are happening in Beirut as a result. I mean, it's going to be five billion in damages for a country that's already suffering because of coronavirus economically. Yeah, and that's an area that, um, you know, um, dad, your grandfather, also, he talks about when he came to Canada, he flew flew in through Beirut, right? Mm-hmm. This is before um, all of the civil war that had happened in the 80s and 90s. And he said, he goes, the city was beautiful. It was, it was gorgeous. And then... Um, you know, all of this unrest happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, religious factions, terrorism, and it just became a, a hotbed. It was really sad. He, he said that it was it was beautiful. 
The city was beautiful. They used to call it the, according to dad, I, I think they used to call Beirut uh, the Paris of the Middle East. That's mm-hmm. how beautiful it was. Well, it's it's all kinds of mess now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it is definitely all kinds of mess. That was a side note, everybody. <laughs> Just I wasn't uh I was too young to know about that, but that's something that um my dad always talks about when he's traveling. Okay. So, um I do you have any, do you want to add anything else? Uh no, I think let's uh let's pivot over to something a little bit more lighthearted than, you know, uh an incompetent president and, you know, <laughs> Just right. incompetent leadership and just level of incompetence that we haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah. Let's move away from that. <laughs> Let's talk about how all of that incompetence leads to some comedic and some just dramatic gold in, in movies. Yeah. So we're, we're continuing with the theme of incompetent or idiotic leadership. Okay. So I'm going to have you go first, Chris. Sure. Um, there's this movie, all right. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a movie by Mike Judge. Uh, I can't remember what it was made, but definitely you know, not within this decade. I feels like it was 2009 or something. Um, it's called Idiocracy, all right. And Idiocracy is a movie about the, um, a person in the military. He's the most average guy in their records. He's got all the average scores. They go like, all right, perfect test subject. We're gonna put him into like a cryopod. We're gonna thaw, you know, freeze them for a, uh, for like five years, thaw them out, and see how how it works, right? And then because mm-hmm. they can't get a a woman uh, to to agree to the thing, they just find some random hooker and they put her into another pod to to test it on a woman. Uh, the problem is the project gets defunded because uh, uh, the doctor running it just gets really really deep into hookers and cocaine, and the entire project shut down. And these guys spend like the next ten like a thousand years inside cryo, waking up to a world filled with idiots because what has happened is that smart people don't have kids. They find a million reasons not to, but a dumb guy is able to sire like 12 offspring. <laughs> right. It's essentially, yeah. yeah. So it's essentially, it's like, all right, well, smart people died and people just got incredibly dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber where it's now you have an idiocracy, you know, it's like, it's ruled by idiots. Um, right. And Which so the, I feel sometimes we're not far off from oh my <laughs> Played for laughs. It's supposed to be just you know a big old joke. But the most average man in the in the universe is able to like you know ascend very far in this world because you know he's just normally smart. He's just a normal guy. He's apparently a genius in this world. Um, and it's it's just it's about him just traversing through essentially things that feel very familiar. And for some reason, this movie is quite prophetic based on how people act and and how people react. Um, but yeah, um, idiocracy is, is, is one of those great things that it's like, all right, are we heading towards this? And day by day, it's like, we might be, you know, when you see people go like, I don't want to wear a mask. It's like, oh shit. (laughs) It's like, we're close. Aren't we? Um, so idiocracy is a great movie. I don't want to spoil too much, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. I just don't know where you can find it. Uh, it might be on Netflix. It might be on Um, Amazon. Actually it's on HBO. It's on HBO. It's on HBO Max. I, yeah, I think I believe it's on HBO Max. Yeah. All right, so there you go. That's where you find it. Okay. What about you? Your turn. All right. So um, I've always enjoyed this movie. It kills me um, all the time. It's a 1999. I think it's a 
classic. Uh, it probably has a cult following called Office Space, right? And it satire, it, it's a satire of work life in a typical mid to late 1990s software company. And so it focuses on, you know, you have, you've got your um, manager, right? Your incompetent manager who you have no idea, like, how did he get his job? <laughs> why is he still employed? But he is. And why does he get the big bucks when everybody else is, you know, doing all of the grunt work? Um, and then you have your, you know, you have your programmers and guys who are in sales. Um, and uh, you have the 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 guy, um, my favorite character is actually Milton. <laughs> And this character is a, he's a very quiet office worker, you know, a colleague of these guys who get continuously gets bumped from one section of the office to the other yeah. until, you know, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. It's a great movie. Um, I enjoyed it so much, right? I, I don't want to give too much away if nobody's watched it. But if you haven't, like, I don't understand. Why not? So to, to give some context, Office Space perfectly encapsulates 1999 and the way that people, like, there's a couple of movies in 1999 when they came out sort of, like, encapsulates everything about that point in time and, and the zeitgeist of how people were feeling. Yeah, Office here, Space, Fight the, Club. Yeah. Uh, Office Space, Fight Club, and, like, The Matrix. They yeah. encapsulate that feeling of, like, Oh my God, I'm just not being genuine, and everyone else around me is not being genuine. But here's the thing is office space is still applicable here. I really, you know what? You can take the movie Office Space and just pick it up and stick it in your current work environment, right? You're in corporate, and you can see it. You are going to have a Milton, right? Yeah. You are going to have. You know, you are going to have that manager who's like absolutely horrible. And you're wondering, well, why does he still have this job, right? And you are going to have your, you know, frustrated and unmotivated employees. You're like, they're, they will complain, but they won't do anything about it. Yeah. Right. I, that still exists. And, yeah, but you're right. It's a, a it is a um, it is a very 1990s feel. But I, I think you still have those characters. Gosh, when I was in corporate, I could you know I could pinpoint the Milton in my office. I could pinpoint oh, yeah. the manager who was useless but still got paid. Um, you know, yeah, and- no, uh, it's absolutely office space. Unfortunately, offices have not changed that much since the movie came out in the last twenty something years. So. It is quite relevant even to this day. Like all the complaints that they've made, you know, say back then are the complaints that people have now, right? It's it's like they, no one ever learned, uh, but nevertheless, it is it is a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Uh, off base perfectly represents just like that that weird flaw in the in the system. Yeah. Right where where just people act act a fool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, other than that, um, do you want me to go next? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I got uh, the one that I would talk about is The Death of Stalin. Okay. Right, The Death of Stalin. 
yeah, it's as good. Oh my god, it's an amazing movie. Um, and it's uh, the death of Stalin is a sort of satirical, you know, take on the actual death of Joseph Stalin, you know, the uh, secretary of uh, secretary general of the General Assembly in, in the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. right? He was, you know, ostensibly uh, an. Um, he was a dictator on the level of Hitler who ki- had a bigger death count than Hitler. Right. But because he, you know, killed his own people, no one particularly cared. And because he fought, in, you know, fought Hitler in world war two and he was on our side, we tend to stop thinking about. Um, so he, he was an incredibly brutal and evil man who, you know, would have his own people killed on mass people just picked up and sent off to gulags to, to, to suffer. And, and work in, in forced labored camps, right? So this is like this guy, and they play it all for a laugh. They're like, all right, well, this guy dies, and what about the aftermath? You know, when when, when a vacuum of power like that occurs, right? What 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 happens? What is the reality, right? And they play it off as a satire where no one has Russian accents. Everyone has their own accent, yeah. right? Everyone is just everyone is just playing themselves. They're playing, and and they're getting into these characters by 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 just going nonstop into them. It, it's it's a really interesting and unique uh, take on the whole, uh, uh, essentially on this point in history and yeah. how ridiculous it actually was. Despite them, you know, like chopping things up and and making it so that it's it's definitely more realistic. It yeah. was straight up ridiculous how this got. Um, so. It was that, it was a great movie. It was really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly enjoyable, and I think that. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it had some great. Uh, it had some really good actors in it too, right? And I think movies like this, they're um, they're elevated by the cast, right? Uh, and I think the cast was really good. Yeah, the, the cast was good, and um, everyone just they, they, they brought their A game. Um, so yeah, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was um, definitely one of those things that you gotta check out. And I believe it's on Netflix. Um, it's 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 just a really great. Uh, it is, and you know what? Um, I what I found with them was like you know what it does it 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 delves into. Um, you know, when there is a power vacuum, what can or could happen? Like, I, I don't think it's as seamless as, you know, you would expect. And when you have, a, you know, a totalitarian regime, you know that there's going to be backstabbing and, you know, personal, um, personal, you know, preferences, personal, um, everybody's thinking about me, 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 not you know, how do I make sure that one, I'm protected so I don't get like shafted, right? Or, um, you know, how do I, how do I be, how do I become that top dog who makes that decision, those decisions? Absolutely. Because if I become the top dog, that means that everybody else has to do what I say and they can live in fear. So yeah. it was a great movie. I agree with you that I enjoyed that one too. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, standouts for me is Steve Buscemi. Um, yeah as Nikita Khrushchev, you know, with his Steve Buscemi-ness just in full display, still yeah. great. The way he played it was great. Uh, yeah, all I of agree. it was, was really good. Yep. 
we have Jason Isaacs in there. Uh, yeah, they were all really well done. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a good movie. I, yeah. Uh, do you have another one? Uh, something else we can talk about? Well, I think um, the one that you had um, you had mentioned when we we're going over this and just preparing for a podcast was uh, Avenue Five. Right. Oh it's a, yeah. It's the most yeah. recent. Um, it, HBO mm-hmm. had just released it um, at the beginning of this year, and it's a science fiction comedy series. Um, and you know, it uh, follows. So we're in the in the future, and it follows a instead of having cruises around the world, you're doing cruises around the universe, <laughs> right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and um, there's a, and it's so it's set on this interplanetary cruise ship, you know. So and it's just you know, and again, it deals with leadership. You have an insane um, owner, and then you have a completely dysfunctional, you know, captain. And I use that word loosely, a crew which has no clue. And then, yeah, it, there's a lot that ends up happening. Um, Chris, you, what, I know you enjoyed it. I don't want to I give did. too much away, but yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed it um, because it's essentially just a, a, a very interesting take on a cruise, cruise ship and, and, and space travel all at once. But uh, that all being said... Um, it, it, it's played as a comedy and people just uh, some complaints on it. It's like, people wouldn't act like this. And I was like, yeah, it's satirical. This is like them taking stereotypes of people and saying, Oh, imagine if all these stereotypes, like uh, that stereotype of the Karen, right. Of just like, right. I need to talk to your manager. Imagine you had a ship full of those type of people who think that they are actually smart, right. Who think that they actually, you know, are, you know, that they have something that they can, you know, uh, given to the conversation or that they had the level of expertise that say someone like uh um they say like someone like a freaking uh like the captain has or an engineer right like they want you know it's like they they think of themselves as as within um within that sphere of 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 influence and expertise when they're not yeah um so yeah, there there was that one. Uh, Avenue Five is, is really good, and if it grates on your nerves, it's because it's trying to, right? It's trying to make you go like, well, how come these people can't like get their you know shit together? It's like because they're the worst, <laughs> right? Um, well, so my thing is, um, you know, I, I I have I think I would say a very similar sense of humor to you. I enjoyed it, right? But. My sister, who she doesn't get any of these, so it's one of those where I would just have to be like, "You got to bite the bullet. You got to give it a try." Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I don't know. Um, is it like Spaceballs? Do you say? Uh, I mean, a little bit less, uh, you know, a little bit less jokey and more like trying to take itself seriously, and then it's just filled yeah. with acting, you know, foolish. Um, but uh, yeah, it I, I particularly enjoy it. I think it's uh, a really fun thing. Uh, I had in my head one more that I could possibly suggest, but uh, I don't think I will. Um, no, either. go ahead. 
Uh, no, no, it's because I, I totally forgot about it. That's why. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm you know to... what you need to do, Chris? You need to write it down. Yeah, okay. I got to figure out what it is. Because that's what I do. I try to at least like write down, okay, wh what are my recommendations? Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me of of the of Avenue Five for some reason, but it's not it's not Avenue Five. Okay, uh, well there there are a um, number of gems out there. If you guys have one that um, you think would fall within this, you know, please feel free to, um, you know, let us know. We'll take a look at it, and who knows, it might be one of our discussion items um, that we have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess this. I, I guess this is a good place to end it. Yeah, it is. I think on that note, thank you for joining us. Um, we look forward to um, next week. Yep. See you guys. All right. Bye.